Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, a look back at 2020 and a look ahead to 2021 with Conservative Party of Canada leader Aaron O'Toole. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Welcome everyone to Canada's most irreverent talk show, a very special edition of the Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. I'm joined by Conservative Party of Canada leader Aaron O'Toole. Now, we actually spoke with Aaron O'Toole a couple of times during the leadership race, the pandemic leadership race, as many of you remember, most recently at the Independent Press Gallery's Fireside Chats. I won't rehash that. It was a great evening, albeit not the one we had planned. This is actually our first time speaking with Aaron O'Toole since he became the leader of the Conservatives, though. And since it is the end of the year and the end of what's been a very arduous year for a lot of people, and certainly an eventful one in Canadian politics and and just in everyone's lives in the world, we thought we would do a year-end interview, a look at Aaron O'Toole's Conservative leadership so far, plans for 2021 for the party, for the country, and whatever else comes up along the way. With that, it's my great pleasure to welcome back to The Andrew Lawton Show, Aaron O'Toole. Mr. O'Toole, thank you very much for your time today. Good to speak with you again. Great to be back with you, Andrew. So let's talk about just the whirlwind this has been. I I know you marked just a week or two ago your first 100 days, which is a lot of the times the symbolic sort of uh, initial sprint whenever someone has taken office. You took this position in the middle of the pandemic. So talk about a a hit-the-ground-running moment. What's that been like, first off? Well, it started with the most important speech of my life at 1.30 in the morning when I won the leadership, Andrew. Obviously, that's not prime time when you're trying to get eyeballs from coast to coast. And then I started my my tour, and then the second wave came, and I came down with, with COVID. And, uh, you know, my wife will be reminding me of how in my first month as leader, I brought COVID into our house. But we we persevered like so many families did. Fortunately, we had very mild cases, and our kids were fine. Uh, and then we've just been connecting with people. So I've been doing a lot of this uh, type of communications. Our team is united. We we put forward the push for rapid testing to stand up for small businesses. We've won many opposition motions, including on banning Huawei. We're, we're taking the fight to the government. We're also showing that we're a government in waiting. So it's been a, a whirlwind, but I'm really proud of, of my team. And I really appreciate the great wishes from many, many Canadians, particularly when my family had COVID. One of the things that has been a challenge, I, I think, for the country is that on one hand, we're being told that because we're in the midst of a crisis, we need to have this Team Canada approach. But the other side of that is that you're also the leader of Her Majesty's loyal opposition. Your job is, in many cases, to oppose. So how do you strike that balance between, on one hand, saying that, you know what, we all need to be on the same team, but on the other hand, calling out the Prime Minister, calling out his government on how they've been handling that very crisis? You've nailed the balance we have to get right. And I think we have. We've opposed and we've proposed as well. I've said I'm trying to show that we have the vision to be smarter, faster, more effective, more principled for Canadians. So we've supported programs to help people and and businesses struggling in the middle of the pandemic. But we've also pushed to make them smarter. So we got improvements to the rent subsidy program, for example, Andrew. We pushed to improve the wage subsidy. We want people working. We want the economy moving forward as much as possible in this pandemic. Uh, So we voted with the government when it's been putting Canadian families and businesses first. 
but we're also pushing them. Take off the audits on small businesses who are hanging on by a thread. So we want a motion to try and postpone those audits to, to stop Chinese influence. We're putting forward motions. We're telling Trudeau he has to be more principled. So I think we've been doing our job. The fact that we've got rapid tests uh, now, later than most com- countries, the fact that we're seeing some vaccines arrive, that's because we've been pushing. So I think we've done our job. A lot of the country has been plunged into lockdown again in the last few weeks. We know that other regions, including where I am in Ontario, are, are going to be facing that in the coming weeks. This is not just a, a 2020 challenge at this point. This is going to go into 2021. You mentioned vaccines. I know that a lot of people have been putting hopes on that. This is still going to be a, a months-long process, it seems like, before everyone in the country who wants to be vaccinated can be. Where do you think in 2021 the priorities need to be for the government and the extension of that is your priority as an opposition leader going into 2021? We have to minimize the economic disruption as much as possible. That's why it's it's a crime that we were so late on rapid testing. The Trudeau government failed dramatically there. Last summer, uh, countries in Europe were rolling them out to try and keep parts of the economy open. They were even using them to keep travel open in Europe months before Trudeau guaranteed a supply of rapid tests. My family was in line for hours and got turned away when we needed tests. So that was a major fail. I've also been pushing for more information. When when public health authorities, I've been pushing Mr. Trudeau on this, we also need to share with Canadians where transmissions are taking place because we actually know they're not generally in restaurants or retail locations. And Canadians need to have that ability to make the smart decisions. And provinces and municipalities need that information so that we can keep as much of our economy open as possible. So we're gonna to continue to push on those things. We're also trying to, to uh, push for a smarter, faster deploy- deployment plan to the vaccine. So we think in a democracy, that's our job to push for a better, smarter response. Um, there's never been a fast response from Trudeau. They're, they're, they're like a glacial pace throughout this crisis. Even among conservative premiers, there seems to be a, a range in how they're responding. You have uh, Premier Jason Kenney in Alberta, who I know is a friend and supporter of yours going back to, well, going back years, but more recently in the leadership race was a supporter of you. And, and he's saying that lockdown isn't the answer. And, and on the other side of that, you have in Manitoba, Premier Brian Pallister, who's taken a very firm and, and very strict approach to this. And I know that every province is going to and has to look out for what it wants, but but do you think there is a, a really conservative answer, an appropriate and correct conservative answer to how to balance the needs of businesses with the public health crisis? Absolutely. It's what I would have done in my military days, the after action report. We have to learn from the first wave of the crisis where the entire world reacted and wasn't ready and COVID got into seniors' homes and, and other settings where the most vulnerable were, were, were unfortunately susceptible to, to COVID-19 and spread was, was unrestrained. Why, why I want information is because if restaurants or, or retail locations are using sanitation, using distancing, using masks and other measures, there's actually very little transmission risk. So let's actually learn how to protect the most vulnerable, how to put our resources where they need to be applied, Andrew, so that we can allow small businesses the ability to at least earn some economic activity to stay open. When I deal with Restaurants Canada and hear that 
maybe 60% of restaurants in Canada will be closed in the next three, three months, like bankrupt. That's jobs for students, for, for new Canadians. Those are the, the main street staples of, of, of our society. So we have to have smarter responses. And I think the federal government's slow re- response on, on rapid tests and, and data means that we haven't learned all the lessons from the first wave. Do you think from, am I understanding correctly in what you're saying there, that you think the approach in Manitoba and in parts of Ontario is the wrong approach then? Well, I think, you know, in the Manitoba case, people that want to go to a religious service and stay in their car and participate, uh, we learned from the Ontario process, and so in your neck of the woods, Andrew, that that can be done, that should be done. It's good for mental wellness, it's good for people's, you know, faith and be able to to maintain some normalcy at a time there's stress on families. We should have learned that you could do that in a car very easily. And why are we allowing major big box stores to be open and small ones being shut down? We, we, there were some areas where I think even provinces could have learned uh, from, from the lessons one another faced. Manitoba was largely immune from the first wave. Um, we should have coordinated that better. That's why data from the federal government could have been helpful for all problems. And you raise an important point there in, in that if a, a business is shut down by the government, there's no income there. I mean, they cannot do anything to earn money. And in that case, that's where I think you and I would probably agree that, yes, having some supports there on the business side and on the employee side are important. The longer these things go on, the more the government has to spend on it. We already saw in the fiscal update that we are dealing with hundreds of billions of dollars in deficits. We know that number is going to clear $400 billion and then keep going up from there. How does an Aaron O'Toole government, if such a thing comes to fruition in the next year, two years, three years, how does something like that, how do you put an agenda forward when you're inheriting such debt and such deficit? This is why we have to get rid of the ideological anti-work philosophy of Mr. Trudeau. You know, Mr. Trudeau, when he was in southwestern Ontario, I know you remember this, Andrew, he said Ontario needs to move past manufacturing. He's against the energy sector with Bill C-69 and other measures. He failed on negotiations with respect to steel and aluminum tariffs and NAFTA in general. He's been weak on China. We need every cylinder of our economic engine firing. We need to allow Canadian families to provide for their kids, mom and dad working, and that's why I'm reaching out to, to you know, trade unions and, and union members, anybody that wants to build this country, build things in it that are proud of our resources in the ground or in our head. There's only one party standing up for you, and that's the Conservatives. Jagmeet Singh, Mr. Trudeau, they, they've supported or not acted when there's been illegal rail blockades and other things. So I think the recovery will all be about who's going to get the economy moving. So every program should be focused on full employment and growing Canada out of this COVID recession. I don't disagree with that, but there is a a long-term problem here. And I I know that, for example, in the previous Conservative campaign, when Andrew Scheer was the leader, one of the things the Conservatives were proposing was a law that would compel the government to balance the budget. This is not something where a Conservative government, or any government, I don't think, uh, could promise to reliably balance the budget within four years, given how bad things are right now. So if you want to use the backbone of Conservative government 
governments and conservative parties typically, which is lower government spending, lower taxes. Is there a path to do that, do you think? Is there a path to do that that you could push for as leader of the conservatives? Absolutely. It's, in fact, Andrew, the most fundamental conservative principles, which are free market principles. And whether you use your toil and your hands to build something or work in the oil patch or in an in a auto plant in Oshawa, or whether you're using your entrepreneurship to open up a small business in Surrey or in Mississauga or in Halifax, we need to applaud that. I've talked a lot about the nobility of work at a time where the four parties on the left talk about a guaranteed income, turning the CERB into a permanent non-working class in Canada. That would run contrary to the history of our country and certainly contrary to, to free market principles. So we should really encourage people to achieve, to work hard, to get the benefits of their labor, the fruits of their labor. And we've seen this, especially with new Canadians come here, start a business with very few dollars, and they're employing 20 other families within the end of the decade. That is good. We need to encourage that. So I think those conservative principles, I want more Canadians seeing themselves reflected in our standing up for the country. You've mentioned China a couple of times, and I think it's actually a very important time to be talking about this. We heard news last week from Rebel and, and then Globe and Mail that the Trudeau government had actively tried to resist the Canadian Armed Forces attempting to stop uh, this pattern of uh, training the Chinese People's Liberation Army in, in winter combat at, at Petawawa. You're a veteran yourself. I know you were the Minister of Veterans Affairs. Uh, let's talk about the two sides of this. First off, the fact that the military was doing this training and also that the Trudeau government wanted to continue this, even in light of all that's been happening in the China relationship the last couple of years. Nothing shows how out of touch Mr. Trudeau and Ms. Freeland are more than these leaked memos that you talked about this week. The very fact that they were pushing back and pressuring our top general, our military, to train Chinese troops on our soil when our two citizens were in jail, when they're having internment camps for the Uyghurs, when they're imposing a police state in Hong Kong and there's 300,000 Canadian citizens there, just shows how out of whack. The memos show they were more worried about upsetting officials in Beijing than to listening to the security advice of our troops. That should scare people. That's a dangerous level of naivete. So we brought the fight. It was great that that was, that was brought out. It's the latest example that they're out of touch. We're the only country in the five eyes that hasn't yet banned Huawei. We passed a motion. The clock is ticking, Justin, to, to take serious our public safety, our security, and our principled approach in the world. You brought up this very issue to Deputy Prime Minister Christa Freeland in the House of Commons last week, and her, uh, I, I, I use the word answers in the very generous, uh, generous interpretation of answer. She, she spoke about uh, the Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor imprisonment over there, and that's an issue, again, you said as much you agree with her on. But there is this approach that some people suggest is the important one, which is to not rock the boat or, or poke the bear with China. Do you think there's any truth to that when they have the, the Michael, when they have the two Michaels over there? Do you think there's truth to the fact that we don't want to antagonize them? No. In fact, the communist regime thrives on weakness. And Mr. Trudeau is seen as weak and, in fact, probably too biased in his view to, to what the communist regime really stands for. 
They tried to use this line, Andrew, a year ago when I created the Canada-China Parliamentary Oversight Committee. Oh, you're going to put at risk our chance to get the two Michaels home. That was a year ago. We, we had no ambassador in China for eight months because the bumbling John McCallum, the liberal insider handpicked Trudeau appointment, had to resign in disgrace. Um, we, we've been seen as kowtowing all the time. And I'm not saying we're going to start rattling sabers, but we have to stand up and show that our values are not for sale. And just because there are, are big trade opportunities for China, I'd actually make things in Canada. I, I want us to do things here and have less reliance on a regime that can't be trusted on any level. And when you say that, you're not talking about protectionism. You're talking specifically about trade with countries like China that have the human rights abuse, the unfree approach to the world. I, yes, I've described it as free trade and fair trade amongst free nations. China, Andrew, games every system it's in. In fact, the Montreal Protocol to ban CFCs, the ozone hole creating chemicals, they've been found to have been violating that decades old treaty. They, have, they actually use our transparency and our commitment to human rights, the, the, the environmental mitigation, other things against us. So we need free and fair trade amongst democracies. And I think you see it coming with Australia and some, and some countries with backbone. We're not going to have that backbone under Mr. Trudeau. I'm suggesting to Canadians that the Conservatives will take a principled approach and our allies are desperate for that principled Canada to return to the world stage. When you say weakness in the face of China, what do you think is really at the root of that? Because we, we know that Justin Trudeau had vaunted his government to, as being the sign that Canada was back on the world stage. The China relationship is an important one. We can't hold them up at the same time as this global partner in peace because we know they aren't that. So when Trudeau goes down this road of, a, of appeasement, what do you think is actually at stake there? What do you think is at play, rather? I think, you know, it was our former ambassador, David Mulroney, who first used the term that early that Mr. Trudeau was incredibly naive with respect to the communist regime in China. Remember, Andrew, he said famously the country he most admired was China because <laughs> their basic dictatorship gets things done. He was not joking. The liberals tried mm -hmm. to suggest later he was joking. I think there's a romantic notion because his father uh, opened up relations. And so he's had an out of touch view. And he hasn't worked in the private sector. He, he's never viewed this. I've worked on intellectual property theft by China on anti-counterfeiting as a, as a lawyer in the private sector. As an ex-military person, I've watched the Chinese action in the South China Sea, the buildup of their Blue Water Navy, their, their Arctic ambitions. These are all watchouts. And Mr. Trudeau um, thought he'd have a free trade agreement with China as some legacy. Well, in 2017, China took a very harsh turn into the worst parts of, of communism with the 19th People's Congress. President Xi is now president for life. The moves on Hong Kong, the Uyghurs. China's getting worse, not better. So it means the democratic world has to have a principled and united stand to counterbalance the bad actions of China. 
Earlier on in the pandemic, whenever anyone asked either uh, Health Minister Patty Haidu or the Prime Minister about China's coronavirus numbers or China's potential culpability in allowing the virus to get as bad as it did as early as it did, uh, we were all told, oh, you know what, those are questions for a- another time. And those questions started to get rarer and rarer from the media. Do you think there is a- an important discussion that needs to be had specifically about China's role in the pandemic? And how would you raise that as Prime Minister? I've raised it, and I think it needs to be looked at. In fact, former Liberal Cabinet Minister Erwin Kotler wrote a brilliant piece in the pandemic about how, had China have been more transparent, a lot of the world would have been better prepared for the first wave of COVID-19. Um, here's the crazy thing, Andrew. The Trudeau government turned off our early pandem- pandemic warning system a year ago and said at the time they wanted those intelligence and science officials to concentrate on vaping, and they were gonna rely on public health data from China. Uh, How did that work out? They they also then gave PPE to China in February when their own departments, at least five federal departments were warning the Trudeau government about the pandemic and about the run on global PPE supply by China. So this is where this currying favor, this kowtowing to Beijing actually set us up for an early failure And then Minister Haiju has been wrong on the border, on human transmission, on mask usage, rapid test. Disaster is the only word to describe her. And remember, the first Trudeau health minister, the physician, Jane Philpott, who resigned over Trudeau's leadership, where is she now? Dean of Medicine at Queen's University. So wouldn't have been handy to have someone who knew what they were doing during the pandemic. So we're going to continue to hold to account. It's about looking forward, but the more you look back, you see the Trudeau government was late at every step. I know it's very difficult to do a year-end interview in a year where basically a year's worth of events happen every couple of weeks or so. But uh, outside of your role as leader of the Conservatives and of the official opposition, just in, in your own personal life, what's your goal for 2021? Well, my biggest role is husband and dad to two amazing kids, Molly and Jack. It's been a tough year on all of our kids, Andrew. You know, the uncertainty, the inability to socialize with their peers. You know, I was really thankful when my daughter Molly's swim team could get together, distance and everything. This is why we need information and the ability for us to to remain as open, not just economically to one another. So uh, I'm going to make a commitment to make sure that as a new leader, I'm busy. As we start opening up, I'm going to lock in family time better. We did that during the pandemic. And whether it's just, uh, you know, watching The Mandalorian when it comes out each week or or playing a board game, for me, I don't want to, I don't want the consuming nature of this job to distract me from my most important job, which is dad. Well, now I have to ask you what board game, since I'm a bit of a board game geek myself. <laughs> well, the, 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 the famous one that I, I, I love the most is Trivial Pursuit. There's a various uh, number of, of versions of it. We are also, I think, this Christmas getting into some of the classic games like like Life and Sorry. I know that uh, that someone might be getting one of those in uh, in in their Christmas gifts. So uh, I've got to make sure my kids don't watch uh, your show, Andrew. But any time that we can get together uh, is is special, and I think. All families have treasured that as part of this pandemic, just being together. 
All right. Well, if you, uh, if everyone else but the O'Toole children want to watch the show, that's fine with me. Aaron O'Toole, leader of the Conservatives. Great to chat with you again. Thank you very much. And, and all the best for Christmas and the new year to you and your family. Thanks as well, Andrew. Merry Christmas to you and your family and to all your viewers. Thank you. That was Conservative Party of Canada leader Aaron O'Toole in a look at 2020 and, of course, a look ahead at 2021, which I think at this point pretty much everyone is doing politics aside, personal life politics work. Everyone's trying to look ahead to 2021. So let's hope it's a bit better than what we've had in the last 12 months. With that, I want to thank all of you for tuning into the show. We will talk to you in just a couple of days' time with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.